Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And I'm going back to how many chairmen we have. I've lost, lost count of how many. You know, the chairman of the week almost. It was embarrassing. It was, it was very quickly from that situation that all of a sudden um, things, you know, start going wrong. I can't say anything positive about losing your football club because it is just the saddest of times. Uh, he sacked the lad once for, I think he was eating a pasty. It was an awful, awful period. Hello listeners, Daz here from Pint of Football as you join us for this special feature, which comes off the back of episode one of our new podcast, Lost Clubs. This first episode, which followed the rise and fall of Aldershot FC, brought us so many great stories that we decided to release the complete and unedited interviews for those who wanted to know a bit more about what went on at the club. This bonus episode brings to life the interview between Pinter Football and Andy Mayer, who kindly offered us his services despite living all the way over in New Zealand. Thanks again for listening, and if you haven't already, do check out the full episode of Shot Down, the story of Aldershot FC, over at www.pintoffootball.co.uk. We have today Andy Mayer, who was involved in the old Aldershot FC and became the youth and reserve team manager of the new Aldershot town uh, in 1992, I believe. Um, so Andy, could, could you tell us a bit about yourself, um, your career in football and your involvement with the old Aldershot club? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a Guildford lad, by, which is nine, ten miles down the road. So my first love was Guildford City. <laughs> that went, oh. went out of business. Um, I left school at 15. I started playing in the works team at the lowest possible level because I didn't play really hardly any organised football at school. Uh, worked myself up to 
something to me that's so senior Athenian league and um, I damaged my knee quite badly when I was 19, 20, a couple of knee ops and battled until I was about 28 and really couldn't play anymore. Yeah, whether yeah. I could play to start with was another matter, <laughs> but that, <laughs> but I, anyway, I, I couldn't and um, got an approach from uh, someone, you know, during my playing days about taking over a, a sorry senior reserve team that needed a bit of, you know, needed a bit of love and a bit of organisation. And uh, I, I, all I wanted to do was play like most people. That's yeah, the best yeah. thing. Uh, so I took it on anyway. So I was there for nearly three seasons and yeah, quite a lot of success. You know, we won a couple of leagues, won a cup. Um, but I had a son growing up by this time and uh, he was starting to kick a ball around. So I decided to give it all away really. Um, concentrate on taking him to football. Um, he developed a love for all the shot. <laughs> we lived reasonably near, near, still in Surrey, but not far from the ground, not far from the shots. So I started taking him, which I couldn't have done if I was involved in football myself. So uh, yeah, yeah. that sort of developed. And consequently, I, as most fathers of anything connection with football, not even a connection, you, you, you end up getting involved with your son's team. It's not ideal, but that's what happens because there's yeah, no yeah. one else around, really. And I, I took that through for till about under 15 level. Um, and that's one day uh, the youth team manager, who was Ian McDonald, who played for many years, he was a bit of a legend at Aldershot. Uh, Macca came to a game <laughs> and um, we had a chat afterwards and he was looking to launch a under 16 side under the banner of all the shot Colts. Um, would I be part of it? You know, could I bring some players along? Could we do this? Could we do, you know, all sorts of things. So that's really how the involvement of just apart from a spectator or, pay, you know, someone playing on the gate uh, into someone who was actually a bit more involved. And through that, I ended up getting asked if I man the bloody door on match days to stop <laughs> people coming in. And yeah, this is kind of a funny out, story. You know, because I was a reasonably sort of big looking geezer. Uh, <laughs> so that, I had that job. So I, I was kind of sort of quite a lot of what was going on. So that's really it. That's where I, yeah. that's where I got to. And obviously, yeah. That's great. Um, so the next question was what made you want to join Aldershot? But I guess the answer to that would be your, your son. Yeah, uh, look, look, you know, I, I developed a, you know, we were following the shot, I following the shot through him. And then, uh -huh. of course, once I was involved in it, uh, you had my far more insight into the club. And yeah, I'd always be, we'd always be, I'd always be at the game. Ideally, I was on the game, you know, in the, in the main stand or stand and um, watching the game. And eventually, when Brian Talbot was there, sometimes he'd give me bloody sheets of paper. <laughs> uh, you know, to see how many knockdowns he won in the first half or second half, you know, so second balls, as he called them, you know. Nice. So, so I did that well. sort of stuff as well. He'd give me the thing and he'd come and get it off me, pull it off me at half time, go in there. Uh, <laughs> Accidental. It was very much analysis. that sort of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It just yeah. from there, really. Yeah. Fair enough. It's a familiar story. Um, someone once said to me at a game when I was there taking pictures just for for my old blog um you want to watch yourself doing that i started doing that here 
20 years ago and now I'm the groundsman. <laughs> yeah, so um, next yeah. question was, what do you remember about the famous day in 1987 Ooh. against Ooh. Wolves in the first ever yeah. Football League playoff? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, it was an awesome, it was a Friday night, as from my memory, we were absolutely, the shots were outstanding <laughs> against Steve Bullen, Bullen much up front and everything, and we were, I'm not sure how many points, I think we were nine points behind them, or we finished way behind them, <laughs> um, and we turned them over, I remember Bobby Barnes' penalty, was it, did he score two? Uh, anyway, I've got a clear recognition of being there, and we just did everything right, and yeah, ended yeah. up winning two nil. There is an incident. There is something connected with that. Um, I, my my father was Polish, you know, and he died about a year or so previously, hmm. and I had his ashes. And <laughs> anyway, there was a coach going to Poland on the Saturday, which all right. I got a place on the coach. There was a football team going. The kids, a youth football team other people it was before, the iron curtain was still there so i left at the crack of dawn on saturday morning on a coach and it's before the days of obviously mobiles and yeah, yeah. you know uh, any connection so i was gone for three weeks i didn't have a clue what no one knew <laughs> what had happened the village we stayed in had one telephone in the priest's house and and no one knew what happened in the second we didn't know it's killing wow. us yeah you know so, and as I remember, we got to the ferry port, um, to get back on the ferry. And the first thing we is asking the crew of the ferry, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you got a newspaper, no one would have a clue what had happened. So, yeah, that must have been so, torture. But I have got vivid, yeah, quite it was, yeah, fairly emotional time, and uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah so that, that's my memory, yeah, wow, nice, nice. Um, yeah, so also the next question would be, uh, what were your favourite moments from being involved with Oldershot FC? That is the old club. Oh, look, I think a playoff game against Wolves would be yeah, one of the hot very remarkable. I remember, I remember us beating Sunderland at home 3-2. And Sunderland had come down, and, you know, such a little club against a huge club. We seem to, all the shots seem to be a club that, or, or on the pitch, with we seem to be able to rise to the occasion. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or, that's always good. You know, just on like specific that. days, you just had a feeling we we turn it. I don't know how we managed to do it because most of the time it's pretty average, you know, at the best. But um, we had that ability sometimes to just pull a pull a result out when. And I think in the going back to the playoffs, I think we beaten Bolton. Bolton were then I like that playoff because it was one from the third division, three from the fourth, you know. Yeah, yeah. And Phil then was player manager of Bolton. Anyway, we beat them over two legs as well, which was, you know, so that was the sort, of, but then we could lose to anyone. So, uh, <laughs> playoff special. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That's mad to see like Bolton and Wolves in a playoff yep. with the shot in the, in the different know. directions they'd go over I the know. years. Yeah, someone had a think on there, us winning at Fulham, you know. I know yeah. Fulham was still in the Premier League, but we're winning at Fulham. Or we're yeah. beating Bournemouth yeah. 4-0 at home, you know. It's But then losing at Enfield in the next, you know, whatever. So, but that's football. That, well, that's, to be honest with you, I think that's why we love football, because if it's so predictable, no one will go, would they? Yeah, for What's sure, absolutely. Problem? You know. Yeah. yeah, everyone loves the fairy tale story. Yeah, ah, oh, absolutely. And anything, you know, with this, with this probably as 
Aldershot will be just about the smallest club then that were in the football league, not now, as I, I realise, but half the town was army. Um, so it was quite a small town, but had a bigger profile because lots of people had been in the services or people were born in Aldershot. I had no connection, but purely because they're the old man or them, they were in the army, you know, so <laughs> it wasn't relative to the size of it, really, you know, anyway. Fair enough. Right. So we've talked about some of the happier times now, Andy. So yes. A few questions about what I'm calling the turmoil years now. Yes. Um, the first question, uh, what happened to the club to see it go from beating Wolves in the playoffs to completely collapsing in 1992? Well, always talked about financial mismanagement, which is an easy thing. I, I'm not a financial person particularly, but... Uh, we never developed any of our own players for a start. We never we just gave up on that, you know. So that, that was a frustration. Um, we all seemed to take, we, we'd sign players, you know, Lenny, the manager, if you look at it in hindsight, it's a fantastic job to keep the club going because we didn't sign anyone until a week out. We had so many people on trial and it was just, you know. Um, but it does that answer why we fell so much. Uh, there was all sorts of turmoil with the next chairman and another chairman. So I can't give you a simple answer to that. Uh, the crowds, probably like, or maybe I don't know what you're, you know, I always thought there would be about 1,400 people would always turn up at the shots, you know. If they've gotten a bit of a roll, won a few games, it would easily bounce to 2 4, 2 5, 2 7, you know. But as soon as they lost a few on the spin, Boom, down she went, and um, and, it, and uh, I suppose that's that's money coming through the door. But there seemed to be uh, no end to the problems. I don't know and how they racked up. I do know when Brian Talbot came to the club, he said to me, every time he opened the door, there'd be another unpaid bill, you know. <laughs> every time he thought he cleared one, he found, you know, the, the hotel hadn't been played for, and Blackpool hadn't played for the coach, hadn't played you know, all sorts of stuff. And so the people in charge obviously weren't financially reliable or they were just using it as a vehicle for their own self-interest and their own glory. You know, the chairman maybe could appear as though he had lots of money, but he wasn't really putting anything. I don't know which one we had. We had so many, quite honestly. The chairman of the week we almost had, you know, it seemed to be a different one towards the end. Um, I know because I let them in. Yeah, you know, some geezer turned up with a leather coat, but like he's then whatever cleaning business, and you know, and they're all playing the dream, you know. Yeah, you know, so they weren't putting anything in, but they were obviously it was all it was all about their vanity and profile, I think. And I think that's yeah, that's, you know. And I suppose, um, sort of back in those days in particular, like you've referred to the crowds. The, the only way of getting money in back then was was crowds really wasn't it yeah uh, and we didn't we didn't have you know you, or you had a, a really good cut one you know yeah. which hadn't happened at all the shop for a long long time way back in the 60s when they got to the fifth round replay and all sorts of stuff so there hadn't been a, a big cut one which you know would have kept the club afloat um, but it seemed to be the same problems that 
you know, all the shop was the same problems at Guildford City, and maybe it's the same problems at your club that, that people just, you know, it, it, living off the smell of an oily rag, I suppose, and um, you're hoping for something to happen, <laughs> a miracle, <laughs> a Man United away or something that that, that keeps yeah. you full time. You know, that's the. Uh, I mean, people here. I talked to Kiwi. You know. The, they were amazed. They can't, I ask them how many professional, full-time professional football clubs that are in England or in the football league. They just don't, but can't believe it. You know. Yeah, I mean, so <laughs> which, you want. Whereas in whole New Zealand, which is a big <laughs> country than the UK, there's one, <laughs> and they have problems. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, and well, Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, half the most of the nation, national league are, are full-time from from what I hear. Well, virtually all of them aren't they? Woking, I don't think, but. They virtually are. I think these days, yeah, there's maybe like one or two. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And to my just looking from the outside a little bit closer, they they, they didn't, you know, the players at the club were either they didn't put in the work either, mm. or they put in the minimum amount at times. That's what it appeared to me. Um, you couldn't get them to do any extras or anything, and I suppose most of them lived far away places they didn't all live in the town for, for obvious reasons the days of having club houses and everyone was close together sort of long gone players would come and go you know and I think that's even more so now you know the days of people playing a whole career and you know legends playing at a club are just unfortunately um, it's a bygone era really isn't it it's pretty yeah. rare. Yeah. If it offers you a ten or more a week, because you're in the lower leagues, you're yeah. Gonna... Uh-huh, look, look. <laughs> yeah. I was playing in the Surrey Senior League, and I got offered a few, few quid to um, play in the Spartan League. And yeah. much as I love skipper of the club, and and I loved it, I, the challenge it was a challenge as well to step yeah. up. I wanted to step up, you know, I wanted the players as hard as I possibly could, and um, you know, and I, and I, I, you know, I took the money. Not it wasn't that much, but I, I wanted the challenge as well. <laughs> Enough for a bit. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was yeah, different grounds, different players. Yeah, and then yeah. So I can't you can't blame them, they're professionals, you know. Uh, but anyway, carry on, boys. <laughs> yeah, sure. Cheers. No, it's good. Cheers, Andy. So the next question. Uh if there's a specific point, at what point did you feel the club was in trouble? I know you mentioned about the, you know, going in on a morning, sort of unopened letters, bills, that sort of thing. Was there a specific point where you started to think, you know, well, well, I mean, yeah, I think when Brian Talbot left the club, he'd come into the club, he had connections with the PFA and he managed to bring in money early and, and he brought a whole new professionalism in, which I think carried on with Steve Wignall. Uh, I think he was a big influence on Steve. Um, he was a ruthless kind of operator, but um, and he liked a beer as well, so it wasn't all bad. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> he liked a few beers actually, but um, but you know, nevertheless, he put the hide and he, you know, players were coming in, they were doing afternoon sessions, and I mean, he went he went completely away from the, the way all the shot used to be. It was always great big flat wide pitch, great surface, pass the ball. You know, he was like Route One, direct Cambridge United, Wimbledon. That more that sort. We didn't really have the players, but you had to cut your cloth, you know. And he was ruthless with with who he had there. 
Uh, he sacked a lad once for, I think he was eating a pasty on match day. He wasn't playing. He was just in. I'd let him in. He was standing there and he saw him eating a pasty. And he didn't do anything. He just thought Monday morning when they came in, he'd just give him his cards. Wow. He, you know, that was the sort of thing. Yeah, well, that's the sort of thing, the professionalism that he was demanding. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Which did bear, bear a bit of fruit. We actually won off, you know, we, we weren't a, a walk, we weren't getting spanked everywhere. We were making it half a size to beat us and we, were, we weren't particularly good to watch. But, um, and he did get a few results, but he just ran out. And you can tell he just got beaten down by any episode. He decided to walk before, you know, he resigned on his own terms. Yeah, yeah. When you knew, you know, we were money right, left and centre to the council, etc. Um, you know, the writing was on the wall, unfortunately. Well, big character. And, the amount of, and I'm going back to how many chairmen we had. I've lost, lost count of how many. You know, the chairman of the week almost. It was embarrassing to a point, you know. Yeah, it's, it's not good to say. No, no, no. Brian, is it? He was... I believe he played for England, didn't he, as well, at one well, point? Probably, yeah, 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 yeah. We met him a few years later at Malta and then just all the shots down we had at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bomb come and met us and, um, yeah. Yeah, so he did. No, no, he was in. Oh, yeah, he's, yeah, and he was managed at Rushton Diamonds and stuff like that. So, uh, and he went out to Malta and he said, you know, he had a good number out there. He was out there for a number of seasons, um, managing for quite a long time. You know, and he had a pretty good lifestyle. One of yeah. the worst places to live. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, he took the trouble to come across the island and meet us all. And, um, you know, just about remember me. He obviously knew Steve Wignall really well because he played for him. And, um, yeah, no, it was a pleasant night. Good night. Uh, and we picked his brains about where to go, what to do, what clubs to go to. <laughs> As you know. Uh, but, uh, no. So, but, yeah. So, in answer to the question... It was clearly obvious at the start during that season that we weren't going to finish the season and everything was falling down. You know? And when he walked, when he walked, it was... And the players weren't being paid and they stopped coming to train. They just turned up and played on match days. Um, um, yeah. And, and you know, pulling favours. Right. We had one phone, that's why right. I can remember upstairs... Um, the manager, there was one phone line. So someone, <laughs> oh, you know, the whole <laughs> one thing. phone line in a professional football the, club, that's mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And going away with the youth team, you know, all of a sudden we'd have our own transport. So we, people yeah. had to take, we had to take cars, you know, we had to persuade people to take us in a, to a game at West Ham, you know, whatever, on a Saturday morning, we had to draw, everyone had to just bundle in the cars. Um, I can remember the, where the reserve side as well, and not that I was involved in the old club, but I think they went to South End. They got beat 10-1 and they forgot to take the kit, you know. Oh, yeah. Apparently, it never got put in the... They had a bus, you know, it never got put in the bus. So those were those sorts oh. of things. It just... Well, my, my club, Bristol Rovers, got relegated to the conference um, by Mansfield, who forgot to bring their kit. So they relegated yeah. us to the conference in our own away kit. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly bleak memory. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah, it was just a... Everything was... Yeah, it was just falling apart. Yeah. yeah so there were people 
look, they were really good people, as there always is, working really hard and selfish and raising monies and stuff. But the, the direction from the top didn't seem to be any good. And there was a, so much infighting between the previous chair. They wanted to come back and they, they then they brought the old manager back when they got back in and, you know. Um, yeah. And we just love like- it. How did it feel being involved at that stage? Like, uh, uh, no, no, I wasn't embarrassed because I wasn't. Uh, look, I wasn't paid to be in the club. I, I just would do it. Um, yeah, look, it was sad because all of a sudden there wouldn't be a, you know, there wouldn't be games on a Saturday, and there wouldn't be a football club, and what they were going to do with the stadium and the council owned it. So, you know, um, what would you do? You know, it's a, it's a big loss. You know. Um, I can't, I'm never, I'm a wholehearted person, but and I know I wasn't an order shopper initially, but you know, because where I was born, I just followed another town because that was my local town, that was my local club, and that hurt me, you know. Um, and I played, you know, played just when I started off for the third, you know, we had a, a side, and, but and my, my dream was to play for them. I never did, I knew people that did, you know. Little bit, they were better than me, but uh, I got close. But and then they went out of business, and I found myself. But you know that. But my love for all the shop was was massive. It's a massive part of my life. Um, yeah, fair enough. So, um, trying to bring bring the mood back up. So, how much do you remember about Upton Park in nineteen ninety one? Sort of almost the last hurrah, really. Yeah, yeah, I think. That was the nil-nil, wasn't it? Yeah. And then halfway through the second half, or towards it, we were in serious danger of winning it once or twice, which would have been a disaster because we needed <laughs> we needed the replay financially. Yeah. And it was yeah. back then was when you could switch grounds. They don't allow it anymore, do they? So no, we, uh, yeah, we went back to Upton Park in midweek, yeah, in which we got tailed up. Five or six one, I can't remember, but oh no, it was a magic. It was magic because we, you go up fingers, uh, ten minutes, twelve minutes, we still haven't conceded. Twenty five minutes, we still haven't conceded. We're second half, and we still haven't conceded. <laughs> and then once we went close, you know, and you think surely not, but we we didn't really. We needed the second game, and I believe it kept the club going from well, certainly a season. You know um, how much have they paid off, and I don't know what, where the where the money went as such. But that that without that result, I think the club wouldn't have made even March of the following season, I believe. So um, yeah, that, that was happy memories. Um, uh, big crowd, and funny enough, I went up there three times that season because of the youth team we played them in the FA Youth Club Cup at Upton Park, and uh, so I was getting pretty familiar with the place. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, final question about the sort of um, the the latter end of of the club's history. Yeah. During the nineteen ninety one nineteen ninety two season, did yeah. you see things happening at the club or behind the scenes which made you think the end's coming? Um, I think I've already answered it with Brian Talbot and so many different chairmen. I can't really give you any more insight. I like, you know, the rumour mill was going full stop, but in, the facts are that I knew those things happened. Yeah. I know they happened. And um, there's all sorts, of, there'd be all sorts of wild stories about stuff 
and substantiated. But those things, I think, as I say, I think Brian Talbot walking away from the club um, told the whole story. Yeah. Writing on the wall. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The writing writing was on the wall. It was just how we were ever going to get, you know, pay these... Pay, pay the money to the council, you know, and it didn't seem a lot. I remember some one of the players saying, oh, I'd say who it was, was Gary Lineker was in his pump and he said, well, he could give us like a quarter of a mil, easy, could easily afford to pay our debt off that. I'm thinking, well, why would he? <laughs> I mean, why, you know, it's fair enough to say that, but but why should he? You know, what can, I think you're dreaming, mate, really. You know, we can all have a test like, you know, you, have, you can all have a testimonial, you can all put something in, you can all help. But for someone just to pay off the debt, when yeah. we've been to- we've probably been mismanaged and it's going to carry on. People say now with like, you know, if, if non-league clubs, League Two clubs are struggling, it was the same at Mac, it was the same at Bury. Yeah. People always go, well, you know, Man United's just up the road, Man City's yeah. just why don't they bail them out? And it's like it's well, not. No, it's not what they're there for. <laughs> well, no, that's that's right. And as, I mean, we had a good. You know, I mean, after my time, Chelsea came in and played there under twenty one, under twenty three, whatever it is now. They helped with the pitch a lot. And I knew the, you know, my mate Nanny who played for Andy, Nanny who played for us, was came the groundsman at the club. <laughs> and any problems, he would phone up so and so at Chelsea, and they. You know, the pitch was magnificent. So that that was a good move. Yeah. Why they couldn't have, I don't know, something like that. You can't become a official nursery, but, I mean, that's that's an income. That's that's a link. To, for me, that's a link with players. That's all sorts of stuff. But yeah. it didn't happen. It didn't, didn't happen, happen then. It's happened since. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, well, well, anyway, in a different time, maybe a few different decisions could have been made and, but we wouldn't have had all the shot towns, so. Exactly. Okay, so um, we'll move sorry, on. Sorry, Daz. Um, yeah. my, my Zoom's just popped up saying uh, this meeting will end in 10 minutes, so we might have to start okay. a new one. Uh, crack on. Okay, what I'll do then is I'll ask the next couple of questions, and then if yeah. we need your final questions, Tom, yeah. we'll set up a new one. Yeah, yeah, sure. All oh, right. Okay. So, uh, final couple of questions from me, Andy. So, yeah. um. At the time, in 1990, what was your reaction when you heard about a teenager coming forward with £200,000 to save the club? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I can remember sitting on the, in the part of the North Stand, yeah, with Ian MacDonald, and he said to me, some guys come forward with 200 you know, with what you're saying. What? Incredulous. <laughs> And he couldn't really believe it. And um, uh, and I never really... And it turned out that... The, I mean, the money wasn't his anyway. It was John McGinty's, I think, mainly, uh, who became chairman of the club, who was a director. I think that was basically... He, he'd managed to trick a, or con a couple of the direct in, into investing in something that he said was a winner, you know, and he managed to, the check cleared anyway. I mean, I quite. I mean, I did meet the, the fella. He seemed as nervous as how he went in the dressing room. Didn't say, you know. They said he just he was like frozen. He didn't know what to say. But yeah, it, look, the check cleared. It saved the club. 
Um, but it was all this, well, it was all, you know, further things happened with that guy. I, I didn't know him personally and, you know, I, I'd never heard of him until that, until that time. I mean, I had one little, there's one little instance I can tell you. Back in the old football club, which I should say, I got phoned up once and said, could I go to the kit? These kit people, Ribeiro, who made the, or, yeah, I think it was Ribeiro, and pick a kit up that's going to be used on the Friday night game with a new sponsor. Um, and as soon as you're in the ground, you know, talk to Lenny, walk with the, or get a message to Lenny, because um, it's going to be used that night. And I went over there, I picked the kit up, piled it all in the boot in the car, pulled it to the ground with a spon new sponsor in. Lenny came rushing, don't show anyone, don't show anyone. And we never saw the light of day. It never got used because I presume they had someone lined up to come in, a new investor, and it all fell over. So they couldn't, you know, that sorts of things were happening. You know, oh, so that man. kit, I don't know what happened to it. <laughs> useful, like it but it never got used it never got used it i can't remember the name it had across it uh it wasn't with uh spencer jathui it wasn't to do with him so those were things were happening all sorts of things were happening but that stuck him on i know that's true because i picked it up and Andy, i just drove it into the ground um, you should have swiped one it'd have been worth millions now <laughs> well it would be yeah well i think you know, lenny took it off me and he's no, no, don't, don't tell anyone, don't tell anyone. <laughs> you know, kind of, okay, yeah, fine. <laughs> you know, so it's all a bit bizarre, but those are the sorts of things that were, well, obviously, regular occurrence, but those things were happening. So, mm. what the, I don't know what where that was. You know. It's like the that, that tells you that tells you things ain't good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hey. So just to follow on from that, so just um, before we run out of time on this first yes. one, all of these years on, so obviously a lot of times passed since yep. all of that happened. Yep. How would you reflect on what happened with Spencer and the club? Oh, I think just uh, first sadness, really. You know, it, yeah, it, it, it was just sadness. Yeah, yeah, just disappointment, sadness, and just maybe didn't need to have ended up so badly, but it, it, we just didn't seem to have the people involved. And the, or if there was people involved, or other people wanted to be involved, then people will bring, you know, um, what can I, I don't, I don't know, what can I say? You know, as I said previously, without the old club folding, the new club wouldn't perform. So, yeah. Glass half full, I'm looking ahead, I'm positive. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we the outcome is pretty positive, really. It's, it's you know, um, in the longer run, although even the new clubs had their problems, they're dipping up and down, but you know, they're still there, they're still going. Um, in these difficult times, um, you guys, you know, no spectator, you know, we got we can have like I went to the rugby Friday night, we got 10,200, you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Watching New Zealand yeah. with uh, envious eyes at the moment. Ah, look, no, look, <laughs> I, I live in paradise. I wake up every day thinking, "What?" You know, nice. I've been here. I've been here fourteen years and nearly. And uh, no, no, I love it. I love it. But I still miss that. There's things you always will miss. Yeah, sure. But not enough to not enough to take me back to. <laughs> I was at a game. I went saw a couple of games about twelve. Well, I was back in October for a funeral, so I went to a couple. of 
Harrogate, I think, is something easily game. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, if I'm back in those games, I, I, I go, you know. Nice. All right, I'm just, uh, I might have to start another meeting. I assume it will allow me to do that. Um, yeah, just, just hang on, lads. You're always welcome. Get yourself out of here. Yeah. Nice, if it's nice, an excuse nice. to come to New Zealand, maybe we'll start doing them all live. Yeah, I'll let you. Personal interview is the way to go. <laughs> All right then. Cool. So if we if we crack on, only a couple more left. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sound. Right. When Aldershot Town was formed in 1992, how did you feel? Oh, we were pretty relate, elated, really. Yeah. 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 <laughs> There's yeah, a yeah, chance yeah. for him. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it was it was a huge challenge. There was lots of deltas, but I wasn't really one of them. I thought we could, you know, I, I trusted the people that one through his sheer vanity, and the other one because he was a good bugger. Um, which I knew, and um, and others, but uh, yeah, um, yeah. No, it was the rebirth, and and it was real exciting times. Yeah, challenging, but exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I I, I I think you've already answered this really, but um, I, one of the questions is: Are you still an old older shot town fan nowadays? Oh, yes, I am. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I drifted away. Obviously, I left when uh, George Ball came and. Uh, it's pretty cutthroat, but that's football. That's fine. And I went off to Basingstoke Town for a couple of seasons, some scouting for Nottingham. Um, so initially, I wasn't bitter, but you know, it was that's what it is. Um, given and uh, but yeah, no, no, it's still I still support. It. I still look for the results, and I still have you know a few people that are involved in the club are still mates on Facebook and that sort of stuff. And if I and if I go back, my biggest mate back in is a huge supporter. So he dragged me along with I wanted to go or not. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no, no, I definitely still support the club and I still want to see him win win football matches. And um you know that's come back really. And initially it was a funny time because I had a son in law who was still playing for the club a lad that I'd signed. So um I kind of knew what the, what was what was happening and knew lots of stuff if I wanted to find out. Uh, so, so I had that even though I was at another football club in the same league. Um, uh, and then I re-signed us, my son-in-law for that club. So we brought him <laughs> back. We brought him back from the shots, you know, because you know. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm still a, yeah I'm still a support. Simple as that. Nice, nice. So yeah, the, the the final thing really is, um, can you tell us an interesting story about your time at the club that people won't know about? Maybe like during the sort of initial years of starting the new club. I, th- I think the one, if they, if a lot of supporters who turned out the first game realised how close it was to being a disaster. <laughs> And this is only because the fact we didn't have any kit. <laughs> and we yeah, were playing that's not a good sign. Like, well, we were <laughs> playing in the tournament, you know, on the week, on whatever weekend was, well, certainly a Saturday. And the club, we had this phoenix, you know, and the emblem, the chairman was all over it. And we had a stamp being made and it hadn't been made. And then we, I knew where the kit supply was that I've been involved in and, it seems silly, but no one else seemed to know where they were. <laughs> and I remember meeting the chairman, Steve, the manager. They were parked up just off the road towards London, the A3. 
I went, met them at a pre-arranged time. I took them across to where Ribeiro, their, their premises were, and um, with all big ideas of kit, you know, what we would have and what colours. And what we ended up with, it was a matter of what they could get us in time to start the season. And it was Woking's kit, in actual fact, <laughs> with with just the collar taken off and a blue one put on there. It was the same. That's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And, and then... This weekend we were playing in this uh, trophy Simpson Air Cup or something. Three other local teams, um, several games, and I went and, and it got to the Saturday and it was going to be ready on the Saturday morning, right? And I left that kit place at ten past. I remember it was ten past one, and we were kicking off at three o'clock, I think with a boot full of stuff. I've been there all morning from about eight and they were pressing the shirts and mate, have we got this? And I got there and everyone was freaking relieved because we had no kit. <laughs> you know? But we did have kit, it was in the boot. If I'd have broken down or something, you know, yeah, whatever. That would have been the end of all I, the shots. Don't bear thinking about it, it would have been a huge embarrassment <laughs> and all the doubts would have gone, ah, oh, you'll get 500 people and it won't be any good, you know. They were at a they'd have had a field day, but as it was, it didn't happen. And you know, I managed to get, yeah, I got the kit there and we played the game and we, you know, everything from that moment after five minutes we scored and we were up and running. Nice. Um, you know, so yeah. That's probably right. but I always think, you know, something would have happened on the route. Definitely, <laughs> yeah. It's just too perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there you go. All right, First well. <laughs> so yeah thanks very much andy that's great um thanks for putting up with us good nice luck one, boys andy. cheers mate cheers. okay in a bit. bye see ya see in a bit. um sure i think andy's just gonna drop out nice yep yeah cool oh hey, nice. good, lad. yeah that was good that was uh really really good so um what I have removed Andy. I think <laughs> I, he was struggling. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I don't know. Can't watch a man suffer. <laughs> I've probably stopped recording, eh? Cheers for listening to this Pints of Football podcast. We would like to inform listeners that the content of this podcast has been permitted for use in this podcast only, and the content is from the view of the individuals involved, not Pints of Football. Thank you to Aldershot Football Attic, Andy Mayer, Kudambuya, and Graham Brooklyn for sparing their time to help us with this recording. For more free podcasts um, involving us too, check out pintoffootball.co.uk. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please follow us on Twitter. Uh, our address is at POF underscore reviews.
the word delicious. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.